0: Hello and welcome to episode thirty-one of the Carrier's Edge podcast. I never know when to come in with that music. I always want it to sort of—you
1: know when to come in when it's me.
0: Yeah, because I'm I'm doing it wrong. Yeah.
1: Welcome to episode thirty-one. I'm Jane Jazrawi, the co-founder of Carrier's Edge, because Mark did not say anything.
0: I got distracted, and I'm Mark Morrell, other co-founder of Carrier's Edge. Which again, we're I all punchy.
1: We yes. are punchy.
0: We are punchy today on this Monday morning. It's been a busy few weeks, and we have lots of stuff to talk about. Upcoming events, recaps of recent activities. So I think uh, let's start
1: with upcoming events because we always do it at the end. What if people want to know about? Well, it at the I beginning? think that's going
0: to be most. I think that's going to be most of our um, podcast today. So it's
1: upcoming. Uh,
0: yeah, the okay. two webinars that we're both working on, I think, are going to be the bulk of our conversation. And I think No we planes
1: can, will be involved in these uh, talks. So
0: we will start by closing out the chapter that involved planes mm-hmm. and have a, a recap of Matt's. And then we'll go on to what was uh, or what is upcoming and what's new. So to start off with,
1: since we did our not,
0: last podcast, we... Uh, we did attended. not
1: fly in a 737 MAX.
0: <laughs> no. Thank
1: God. <laughs>
0: no, we flew a CRJ-100 For an hour and a half from Toronto to Cincinnati (laughs) and then drove to Louisville, uh, for mid America,
1: uh, great mid America trucking show. No, not the truck show, truck show.
0: Yes. Not the great. That's a different show.
1: Oh, sorry. The great great American American trucking show. (laughs) See, I'm punchy.
0: Yeah. All right. (laughs) A trucking show that happened in America that was great and happened in mid America or middle America.
1: Yeah. yeah, it was a good show. I think
0: that's why everybody just calls it Louisville, the Louisville show,
1: or Mats or whatever yeah. it is.
0: So I like know. the
1: fact that there's Mats and Gats. Yeah, and that's kind of I don't know.
0: It does sound kind of funny. Like
1: you don't have anything like that anywhere
0: else. <laughs> somebody copied somebody else. Yeah, it does remind me of the old situation that used to happen or was. The situation in the Canadian Football League up until fairly recently where you had like a dozen teams and two of them had the same name. Yeah, the
1: Rough Riders.
0: Yeah. Come on, get creative. I know. And so they got creative and they called no, themselves there's... like the Red Blacks. Like, oh, is how's that, that better?
1: <laughs> so many CF, CFL fans are yeah. are hating you right this second.
0: But there's not very many of them, so I'm not that worried. <laughs> All right, so Mid-America.
1: I know. Pinball Clements. That's it. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So we went to Mid-America. My first time there in, it turns out, 10 years.
1: My first time ever.
0: Yes. And our first time exhibiting. Mm-hmm. And very different uh, in some ways than what I remember and exactly the same in other ways.
1: Well, it's a huge show and there's yes. so much going on. It's pretty interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. There's lots to see. It was a much busier show than we expected. Our expectation on a show like this, that is sort of a driver-focused show, a truck show versus Mm -hmm. a conference, our expectation is really to be ignored by the vast majority of the people that are there, have maybe a couple of partners come by, have some maybe potential partners come by, and One
1: one or two
0: conversations that probably don't lead anywhere.
1: So we're mostly expecting to entertain ourselves. Yes. For a long time. Which is a weird approach to a show. Like most vendors go into a show hoping to have lots of conversations with people and, you know, get out of there with a couple of, of uh potential sales, that kind of thing. We never do. We yeah. never know what to make of a driver's show.
0: Well, we're never there squarely to find leads. So
1: No, and I think that's um probably probably slowed down our our introduction into the industry, but I think it makes it a little bit more comfortable for us.
0: Well, it also builds a larger base for the future. We're interested in expanding our network Mm. and finding out what other people are doing and listening to the people that do come by and talk to us. So there's a lot more to a show than just getting leads. What was weird about this show is that we got way more leads than we ever expected. Yeah, I think we got way more leads than we've had at many shows before.
1: Which actually turned into a couple of sales.
0: Yeah, we've got a couple that look like they're about to sign up uh, or in the process which of is it, like a week unheard later.
1: of. Never does this. This never happens. It's usually no. months or years or, yeah. you know, drip, drip, drip. We just, you know, eventually they're like, oh yeah, I know you. What do you do again? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so,
1: But the big hit at the show were our white chairs. Yes. Which were like beacons to Everyone, children. oh yeah, children, oh man, the kids children. love climbing on the chairs, and they then they swivel on them because they yeah. were swivelly chairs. So,
0: yeah, so that was uh, an interesting experience. We had lots of kids climbing on the chairs, which was not the intention of them. We had those for customers and partners, and
1: you never sat down.
0: No, the people um, who
1: who were talking to us about the product never sat down, except for uh, Marty from Truck News Radio.
0: Yeah. So you did a radio interview with uh, with Marty from, uh, and he
1: had to sit down.
0: Yeah, because he had all his recording equipment there. But we offered seats to people, and they often didn't want to sit. So we did uh, meet some partners. We saw some customers there, which for the most part was good. Um, Saw some customers that came by and talked to us about problems, which I absolutely hate hearing about.
1: Yeah, one one customer. That's the only thing that
0: I remember. I know. I, know, I hate having any problems in the system. So as one customer tells me that the one thing isn't perfect, I'm freaking out for the next week.
1: But it actually did lead to an investigation, or it was part of an investigation that we were already doing in, into a larger problem. Yes. That we, I think, have solved.
0: I'm going to be knocking on something akin to yeah. wood very soon. But yes, um, I believe we have sorted out a larger issue because that was that issue was- at particular times of the month.
1: Yeah, that issue was affecting course development as well, so.
0: Now it's serious.
1: Exactly. Yeah, if you're affecting course development, we're not interested in being slowed down anymore then. It's a slow process and you don't want to have it any more slow.
0: True. So we did get things sorted out, did have a good time talking to some other customers Mm -hmm. and some partners and... um, Just walking
1: around the show was pretty cool.
0: Yep. So for a first time exhibiting... One of the things that I usually do at a show like that is wander around and just see how well I did in terms of booth placement. Because when you're looking at a floor plan, you can never really tell how the show is going to feel or what it's going to look like. And
1: now what the flow of people is going to be. What the
0: flow of traffic is going to be. So how did we do in terms of picking a good spot? And if I was doing this again, where would I go instead? And amazingly, I don't think I would go anywhere else. I was walking around, particularly on the Saturday, um, I was sort of wandering around and thinking, okay, I'm going to be booking this thing again because it was clear that it was worth us going to, right. and we'll be back. So I'm going to be back here again. Where should I move the booth? Should I stay here or should I go somewhere else? And I could not find a spot that I think would be better for us, which was really amazing. I really I like
1: go, I'd like to go in somewhere where there was more high ceilings, but I'm probably not going to go again.
0: Yeah. Well, that was my thought as well, is I'd prefer to be in like the south wing or someplace where it's higher ceilings mm-hmm. and feels more like a traditional convention center. But that's not where the booths are that attract the crowd we're after. And that's not where a lot of the uh, people are. So that west wing where we were, which is the older part of the convention center, that's where all the tech companies are. That's where yeah. a lot of the services are. The fleets are in there recruiting. So. It ends up being busier in terms of people walking around versus some of the other halls.
1: Yeah, it was, um Bennett Motor Express was down the hall from us, or down the aisle, down the aisle from us. Yep. Yeah, and they had their best fleets. That was nice. Twenty nineteen uh, sign or up. They had
0: a yeah sign up on top of their van that looked yeah, very cool.
1: That was cool. Uh, and on the way down, we saw a Thomas E Keller
0: yes truck on the drive right from there. Cincinnati to Louisville. Yeah. Thomas Keller truck there with their logo on it, which was very nice. So
1: there was, yeah. So we did see, there were a lot of drivers coming by. What I liked about it as well was that um, owner operators with multiple trucks are starting to become interested in providing training. And we have a really good product for that because you don't need to have... It's it's a small setup. You can have a small setup mm. and it will be just as useful as it is to someone with 300 trucks, yep. a five truck company or a three truck company, or even a two truck company um, can get something out of it. And we had people who were, you know, I have two, I have two other guys who are driving mm. for me and I'm looking at this. I thought that was really cool and really different because I didn't know that. Well, I had a feeling that we were getting to that part of the market, but I didn't, I didn't, I hadn't had any firsthand experience with it. It was very cool. Mm-hmm. I think that is, um, I'm very happy that we can be of use to that yeah. segment of the market. And that got
0: me thinking about a few things that we can be doing to make it a little bit easier for them. I mean, Our target has for a long time been the smaller fleets, but smaller fleets being 10, 20, 30 trucks and uh we work well with the larger fleets as well because a lot of the same stuff applies but for somebody with two trucks i i haven't really it works like you say it does work for them we give them a lot of content and it's very useful but there's a couple of things that i thought about afterwards that is like well we could probably make it easier for them make it a little bit more convenient and sort of package it in a in a different way slightly different way for them that is going to be even more useful so other things that I've got on my list. Now that's one of the things that I always enjoy about these shows, even though it seems you know, while the show is happening that you're standing there for an <laughs> unending number of hours, just not talking to anybody. But then these little conversations come up to give you so many ideas. You talk to a customer, you talk to somebody who's interested in something, but has a couple questions. And that just sends you in a whole different direction in terms of thinking about the content mm-hmm. and thinking about the structure of the the system and how it's packaged and all of that. So I always come back with a ton of
1: ideas. I never dreamed that providing training would become a... providing a distribution method of training as well. Like I've always known about LMSs, and I've known known that you have a system where you get people registered and blah, 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 and you have users and, and that kind of stuff. But it never really dawned on me how important it is to have the delivery mechanism work properly for mm-hmm. different kinds of businesses. And because the standard for a very long time was like big, huge companies have big, huge LMSs, learning management systems and they, you know, and you, you get put in there and then there's a weird, bizarre way that you go in and get your courses and get a curriculum and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Oh my God. I'm and so you need glad. A lot
0: of training to figure it out. To,
1: yeah. <laughs> you need to, a lot
0: of clicks to get to your content.
1: Yeah, I'm glad that we don't have that. That would bug. That would bug me.
0: Yes. Well, that's what we've tried to stay do away differently, from. Yeah, is to build our system very different from the traditional corporate LMS. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's been an interesting couple of weeks, and it was particularly, I guess, um, un- enlightening as an experience because it was two weeks after going to TCA. Which is kind of the opposite type yeah. of show. TCA is the business owners that are there.
1: It's not even really a show. It's, yeah, it's
0: a. It's a. There's an
1: exhibit, but there's. It's not. It's really a very a different show. that way. Yeah. It's a
0: lot about content and networking and less about the exhibit. Whereas this is almost all about the exhibit and a small amount about content.
1: Yeah, but they have a lot of networking, just not for us.
0: They do have a lot of networking things that are happening, but yes, it's a different part of the company. So with the TCA convention is for the senior management and the company owners, uh, MATS is about the uh, mid middle tier management or owners of small companies or, or even drivers, drivers, lots and lots of drivers and owner operators and all the people that aren't going to those other events. So they two, the two different events work really nicely to sort of cover the entirety of the industry.
1: And... I went to um, the Salute to uh, Women, is that the name of it? The Salute to Women Drivers, the Women in Trucking event, which was kind of interesting because it was its own little trade show Mm -hmm. away from the main trade show, still in the same exhibit. Well, not in the exhibit hall, but in the same center, but it was in a different section of it. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of cool because, I mean, Ellen had speakers and a little um, exhibit area and, you know, then they did the picture and the cake and stuff like that. So that was kind of cool. I mean, that place is so big. You can have so many different things going on. And then I would be walking back from that event and then I'd pass by an awida <laughs> event and they're doing something else. And there's just like, it was, I haven't really seen that kind of um, activity before where there's, there is really so much going on at the same time. It's kind of going to a huge amusement park for the first time and realizing that there's all kinds of things.
0: Well, it's a, it's a large venue. Mm -hmm. So even though it's a large show, there's still places in the venue that aren't used so they can take them over for different things. Yeah. And, uh, I went to, uh, one of their, I don't know, breakout sessions, I guess it is one of their talks. Uh, on Saturday that was one of the uh, FMCSA people talking about the status of the ELD rollout and plans for uh, what's happening in the future with that. And there had been FMCSA sessions each of the previous two days as well. I missed the one on Thursday with the administrator. And on Friday, they had uh, Transportation Secretary Chow there. Right. Um, who announced that they have sent in their update on the hours of service rules or their their recommendation. Uh, The, what is it? Advanced notice of proposed rulemaking, which is like five different steps they have to go through. Um, So there was lots of talk about that. And it was very interesting to sort of hear the uh, the status of the ELD rollout, what the plans are, and the feedback uh, from the audience. And and half the reason that I went to this thing...
1: Was to get the feedback from the audience? Was to
0: listen to the audience beating up the speaker. Um, and they weren't too bad. They had a couple of issues. Most of the issues were really around parking. And it wasn't so much about ELDs as it was about personal conveyance and parking and all of the issues around that, which, I mean, the FMCSA is not going to fix the parking problem.
1: But they made it a very clear, um, and this was in the news afterwards, because I think the clarity of that explanation is that you can go for as long as you need to, to find somewhere to park. Mm -hmm. You are not limited by time. Yeah. And I had understood that, but I didn't realize that there was such confusion about it. I don't know what court carriers have been doing. I know they have their own policies about it. So it Mm -hmm. might be, that might be part of the confusion.
0: Well, a lot of the people that were in the audience were owner operators, small fleet people with three, four trucks, that kind of thing. So yeah, it's really up to them to come up with their own, but uh, it it really is a parking issue that needs to be addressed. Oh, for
1: sure. Parking is, and parking has started to be talked about more and more in the last couple of years. And I think it's going to hit a, it's going to hit a fever pitch just because people don't have anywhere to park. And there's going to be alternative alternative solutions and things like that. And I think we're going to be talking more and more about it through Best Fleets just to see what, you know, people are going to come up with some interesting solutions for that.
0: Well, what I found interesting was that we asked during the Best Fleets interviews last fall about the parking issue. Is it a problem for them and what are they doing about it? And very few of the people that I interviewed indicated any real issues with it. They were generally Uh, paying for spaces, paying for parking spaces when drivers needed it. They'd made arrangements and they weren't really suggesting that there was that much of an issue with it. Did you talk to people that had other opinions?
1: I think that in general, I got the sense that everybody has an issue with it.
0: Or they're aware of it.
1: Yeah, that they are dealing with that issue. But I Mm -hmm. think it's just another issue that they deal with. In terms of the logistics of getting it from point A to point B, they have that issue to deal with, mm-hmm. and so they a lot of the carriers I talked to were talking about trying to um, get the shippers to have some sort of concessions for them staying on property or you know finding somewhere that's close by and having that that network and figuring that out. We didn't talk about whether or not it was a negative. Like a huge negative burden on them, as much as what they were doing to solve it, they were all doing something. Mm. Nobody was saying, "Oh no, parking's fine; we can we can find parking anywhere." Nobody's saying that.
0: I had a few that said it hasn't really been an issue for them, um, but I did see a, that a lot was that...
1: not the case for me. It was if they said that, they weren't really thinking about it. They were like, oh, "I don't think so." Mm. No, but I, I don't believe that. Possibly if you're in a place where there's lots of open, like if you're in the middle of the Midwest and you're not, you know, not very populated areas. But if you go anywhere near a city, Mm -hmm. it's crazy.
0: Or main thoroughfares. Yeah. Like at Mid-America, you got a lot of people that are going north and south through major corridors, interstates through Ohio and stuff. and, And those things are filling up real early. Oh, yeah.
1: And then that's the... That's the well. A lot of people were talking about um, paying, Mm -hmm. and I think that indicates there's an issue. If you're paying, if you have to start paying for parking, and you know this is like as soon as a town starts, for like the town that we live live in, we didn't, we never had to pay for any parking anywhere except for the hospital, and that's more a fundraising thing than anything else. But you never paid for anything, and then all of a sudden. Uh, It's just like more and more paid parking or paid only. Mm -hmm. And um, I am seeing that there are certain parking areas that used to be uh, free or free to the public or, you know, a low rate are now being closed to the public. Hmm. That one that we, um, one that I used to use quite a bit is now closed to the public. Yeah, it's just private now interesting yeah so as people keep going people move into an area and same thing with trucks as trucks move into an area more and more you're going to have you know it's going to be more of a fight for parking and paying for it is going to become par for the course hmm. actually i had a conversation with one of the um people who was in the best fleets program you know i think it was their first time and they asked me about security at truck stops and can you is there some sort of programs and things like that and the truck stops are are starting to address this need I know that um th Petro has not only a paid parking uh, where you can go and uh, reserve parking but also you can pay with reward points hmm. so if you're a part of their membership and it's kind of the same like Mm -hmm. You know, we do that with groceries, you know, pay for our groceries with reward points and things like that. And that's starting to become those kind of programs are starting to become more common. Interesting. So, you know, that's what you do when the when everybody wants the same space. Mm -hmm. Start figuring out how to how to pay for it.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So. Yeah, I think that kind of wraps up the whole Mid-America experience. So our summary coming back is that we will be back there again. We'll Mm -hmm. have a presence there again.
1: With the white chairs, probably.
0: We'll have to see. (laughs) Yeah. So we may not be back there ourselves, but there will be a Carrier's Edge booth there next Mm -hmm. year. Uh, It does seem to be uh, a good experience. And I also should give a shout out to some of the restaurants downtown that we visited because... When you're at one of these places, you get awfully sick of the hotel restaurant when you're there for four days. Uh, so we went out and did some exploring and tried some other restaurants downtown uh, Louisville. And there were some fantastic ones. So
1: I don't remember the name of the restaurant that we went to, that um, Spanish place.
0: Uh, Ceviche, it's a called. Latin restaurant.
1: It was really good. Which actually
0: wasn't downtown. It was kind of like in a, it was a weird. It was like a suburban or an older not really suburban, but it was a residential area that was an older area. Kind of had that feeling like an older downtown that has been reclaimed and gentrified, mm. and is now becoming the hip place to be. Um, so it was a fantastic restaurant, uh, great food, great service. So if you're in Louisville, check that out. And, and of uh, course
1: we went to Morton's. Yeah,
0: or something that's sort of <laughs> standard fare, but uh, you know you're always going to get decent quality. Yeah, we went decent.
1: To. You always get very good quality of yeah. Course yeah that's so expensive yeah that was our was, treat uh, for
0: <laughs> their treat after standing uh, on our feet all day and I, I think that is sort of our company policy or it has become our company policy that if you're standing on your feet all day at a show go out and explore some local upscale restaurants and try something that's
1: uh, that's not fast food or yeah. or uh
0: yeah you have to treat yourself
1: yes definitely
0: yes and uh
1: because the hotel was not a was not a treat.
0: Hotel, we will not be back. We
1: will to. not be at the Grand Plaza
0: in, yeah, so in Louisville. We'll be uh, exploring some of the other fine hotels in the area.
1: Although, even though the hotel experience was was pretty bad, it was possibly the worst experience I've ever had. Um, the one there was one uh, server in the restaurant who was absolutely fabulous. Was Sharon, mm-hmm. who was the happiest.
0: Super high energy!
1: Oh my God, she was like just brightened your day.
0: Yeah, she was to a lovely the point person. where by the end of the experience, I was starting to think she's got too much energy oh, and happiness to have that naturally.
1: She was. She was fine.
0: I don't know. She was fantastic. Uh, yeah, she made that experience better.
1: Okay, so. But,
0: so that's go. our Matt's report. Uh, moving on.
1: Oh yeah, and then I and then I came back and immediately wrote a spotted lantern fly yes. course which is the fastest course i've ever written
0: in two days yeah two and a half days from end to end
1: and then i had an awesome my awesome audio guy turned his part of it in 24 hours basically Yep. And so we got a course with yeah.
0: voiceover final test looks like a regular course it's a short one what is it 15 pages
1: not 15. even t- 13 maybe yeah. yeah okay so just under Yeah. And it was, well, it was, it was a pretty easy course to do because a lot of the, I didn't have to find any pictures. The course material was really already there. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and like I said, I have an awesome voiceover guy, Craig Rockford. And, uh, so it was pretty easy to put together, but it was, it was fast. (laughs) Yeah. So, and then we immediately put it out and, uh,
0: And like within five minutes, somebody said, are you going to have it in French? French (laughs) Uh, Can't win. So yes, we are going to have it in French. Yeah. Yeah. Oh
1: yeah, I should be getting the French back tomorrow, actually.
0: Nice. Okay. And coming up this week, we both have webinars that... We do. uh, I think are kind of interesting subjects to talk about. My webinar, I've been thinking about this one as I've been sort of getting back in shape with it. This is the webinar on how... What do we call it? Five ways to build support, company wide support for online training, which is the sort of BuzzFeed title version of how to sell your idea internally and get people on side with it. But as I go back into this, I'm always struck by a couple things. One is that we started doing these webinars nearly five years ago now. And I'm, I don't know, I I find it interesting how the content still stays pretty relevant. It's different people. Every time we run these and each of these uh, subjects we run about once every nine months, just mm-hmm. the way the cycle works. And um, it, I always think, oh, people got to be getting sick of this stuff and haven't they heard this all before? But yet we get people signing up for it and there's new people coming in and uh, partners that keep coming back to refresh it. So I, uh, I'm very intrigued by how much it stays topical. And this particular one, I think continues to be a, um, a subject that's of interest to people because we continue to have a lot of people sort of in our network that are kind of, well, we, we generally hey, say have it. Just the say safety it. manager, um, the people that are usually uh, wanting to buy the system or sign up or Who that are, are the administrators around? are the safety management people, training managers, risk managers, whatever that role is but there are also people that often aren't doing a lot of other corporate purchases or they're not mm. used to doing nor new corporate purchases on the tech side. So, you know, in trucking, tech usually means equipment on the truck and that's the operations and the maintenance people that are doing that. But in the safety side, there's not a lot of software stuff traditionally. So um, this webinar came out of recognizing that these people are wanting to go ahead with it, but aren't really clear on how to actually go and, make a business case, or don't have a lot of experience doing that sort of thing. And so I started with just organizing the company into different uh, levels. So the executive level, departmental managers, and regular employees. This is in
1: your presentation.
0: Yeah. And thinking about how each of these these roles has, or each of these levels has a very different purpose. And as a result, they have different things they care about. So if you're going to get them on side, you have to speak to them in a very different way. So the way you talk to an executive to get them on side is the exact opposite of the way you talk to a fellow department manager and very different from the way you have to talk to drivers to get them on side with it. And um, so going through that experience and thinking about how do you talk to executives and how do you get them on side and how do you frame this in language that they're going to uh, respond to um, has been very, uh, it's been a very good exercise, very good thing to go through and get people thinking about it in different ways. And once we break that down, it becomes pretty clear what you need to do to get everybody in agreement and everybody moving forward with it. But until you sort of step back and think about it that way, it can be tough.
1: So what's an example of that?
0: Well, the trickiest one I find is if you're sort of a mid-level manager And I remember this when I was sort of a departmental manager back in the old days when I had a real job Um, (laughs) back in the other life. Um, But you go to executive and you have this thing that you want to do. And as a departmental manager, you're in this thing in the trenches with it every day. So it's very easy to get in the weeds and talk about the minutia of it. But the executive doesn't care about that. Their job is the exact opposite. Their job is to forget about the minutia, the day to day stuff and think about the big picture the long-term thing. Their job is to build the entity over the long-term. So you have to reframe the argument away from the day-to-day stuff and into something that fits that longer-term picture. So you don't talk about, we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this, and it's going to cost this much for this, and this much for this other thing. And you don't break it down into those little things that you would need to do at a departmental level. You put it all together, step it up a level, and say, okay, it's going to cost this much total, and it's going to have this extra cost in the beginning and it's going to take this much time to roll it out and it's going to help us in the long term by solving or working towards solving these three problems that you've identified as being strategically important so in the world of training it's we're going to be able to have a better trained workforce and with less disruption to what we're to the normal operations and for an executive those are all things that fit the larger plan that helps them build the value of the business. They know they have to have a trained workforce. Uh, They know they have to keep training their workforce, so they want to find the cheapest, most effective way to do that. So if you frame it like that, it doesn't focus on, you know, it costs this much per person and that much for these other things, and we need to add this and and remove this other thing. They don't care about those bits. Um, They care more about the bigger picture. Hmm. But then, um, and the other side of it is not to worry so much about, Um, the cost in the general sense. Like a lot of times people get tied up in the cost because if they're not used to doing corporate purchasing, they think about all of these costs in the context of their own personal budget. So what they need to do is step away from that and realize that corporate purchases are very different. So you can't think about it in terms of how much it would cost in your personal budget. You know, something may look really expensive And it would be if it was you individually, but for the business, it's not really that expensive compared to payroll and fuel and insurance and other things like that. Whatever you're proposing may not be very expensive at all. So um, we have to get people kind of thinking about that and recognize that it's not necessarily expensive in the grand scheme of things.
1: Or that the expense is going to have uh, benefits that outweigh it.
0: Well, that's the other thing is the executive level will always be looking at the return on that. They're not Mm -hmm. going to look at an expense. They're going to look at it as an an investment. And what do we get in return? And
1: it's not always increased profit. It can also be um, better retention.
0: Reducing costs. Yeah. Or offering a strategic advantage, Mm -hmm. which is something that the executive has to think about What can we do to create a strategic advantage that our competitors don't have?
1: And how, and part of that is culture. So if a lot of trucking companies are using their culture as a strategic advantage, Mm -hmm. and if you can improve the, if that is something that is important to your executive, if you can improve culture through any kind of initiative, even if it does cost money up front, eventually the ROI at the end is going to mean that you have less turnover. Um, People are happier. People are more satisfied uh, because they feel more confident in what they're doing. And then that is actually, uh, that's actually a return on investment. That's really important.
0: Well, what that ends up doing is lowering your total cost of delivering the service, Mm -hmm. which means that you can then lower your price to undercut your competitors and still maintain your profit. And once you do that, you're in a position where you can grow pretty substantially.
1: And I think that the smarter company owners are seeing that. And that's why we have a lot of participation in Best Fleets. Because they see that that is actually, it helps them.
0: And that's one of the things that I talk about in the webinar is that once you frame it in the right way, it's very rare for the executive to say no. They're not going to say, no, that's a dumb idea. Because it makes sense to improve the efficiency of the business and help the long-term strategic plan. That all makes perfect sense. What they will sometimes say is no, not right now. And that's perfectly valid because if you've got other things that are happening, um, you can't always be taken on a new project. Mm -hmm. And something like online training, where it isn't just one person signing up and then it's done, everybody needs to be part of it. Uh, Operations needs to be involved. Drivers need to be involved. Everybody needs to use it. Uh, You can't have too many competing interests in order for it to be successful. Uh, so somebody may look at it and say, yeah, it's a great idea, but not right now. Come back in six months, which is perfectly fine. And maybe it's because, oh yeah, we're about to move to a new terminal and yeah, it's not a good time to do that or something else major is happening that you know about. But there may also be things happening that the executives haven't disclosed. Maybe they're about to buy another fleet yeah. and they don't really want to take on some new project or, you know, maybe they're about to sell the company to somebody else. Who knows? There's a lot of that kind of stuff happening these days. So you may not always be aware of it, but there are lots of reasons why they might say not right now.
1: And one of the things that we always think is important is that you don't buy a product until you're ready.
0: Yes. Yeah. You
1: know, we don't really want you to buy our product unless the comp- unless the company is ready for driver training to be done online.
0: <laughs> ready for it's, it to be successful. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Cuz it doesn't work. We don't people who get sold something get have to put it in and it often doesn't work because you don't understand how it's supposed to work or you don't understand or you have implementation roadblocks that you didn't foresee or didn't know about because it was just sort of dumped on you and nobody should get training dumped on them.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's a really good point. And part of our philosophy around not having salespeople is not push someone into a sale before they're ready. Yeah. Um, I have always explained it to people that it's not unlike quitting smoking. doesn't matter how many times somebody says, oh, try this method, it'll work. Oh, this one is great, or get it done, or do it today. You have to be ready for it. When you're ready for it, it happens. When you're not ready for it, it fails every time. And we've seen that. People sign up. Uh, for training if they're in a hurry or somebody pressures them to a sale and they don't use it um, or, or
1: they just try and make it look like they used make it look like yeah. they use it
0: or they're getting pressure from insurance or some outside uh, enforcement person. So they go and sign up and they do a little bit of it, but they don't do very much and it doesn't become part of the culture. Whereas the people that are ready that make it part of the culture, they're the ones that have success over the long term and they see a great return on it which is part of what I talk about in this webinar, that it isn't just about getting approval. It's about having a plan that looks at long-term success and starts moving towards that at a reasonable pace. So it isn't just about getting approval to spend the money. Well, now you've got to go and get other managers on side because they can be a wrench in the works if they're dragging their feet or they're not helping, or drivers as well. You need to get drivers on side because if they're not using it, then you've wasted the money. And if you position it the right way, drivers can be the best um, advocates of this. They can be some of the biggest uh, supporters and really help take the thing forward. So, um, I have that webinar this week and, uh, it's another one that in theory is fairly short. It's fairly simple, but it fills the hour. So I'm going to try and tighten it up and get it down to about 45 minutes. Um, because th- there's a lot in there, but, uh, uh, it's very useful information.
1: Speaking of which, I have a webinar that I have to go through the timings on and make sure that I'm getting my points in. Mm-hmm. in Your the, webinar this week time. yeah.
0: TCA. And what are you talking about?
1: Well, I'm joined by uh, Jim Guthrie from Prime and the overall uh, big fleet, not small fleet, the overall winner for large fleets in best fleets and one of the top 10. Winnie, Thomas E. Keller, the one that where I saw the sticker. Uh, we're on our way to Louisville, mm-hmm. um, and we are talking about best, basically driver-centric retention strategies that are used by the best fleets. Mm-hmm. And Prime has some really interesting program. Actually, Keller does too. Both of them have some really interesting programs that help. Like we're looking at. How you get feedback from your drivers, how you act on that feedback, and how you create um, create a community, which is part of creating culture, is part of development of the culture. Is you have to actually get people together and create a community, and that's really a challenge when you have people who are all in all different locations. And mm. and in Prime's case there's so many different locations and they're big. So, you know, they have really done a lot of work on creating communities and different communities for different things. And Keller has also done a couple of real, has a couple of really cool, um, areas where they're trying to do the same thing. And since they're both on the top 20, I'm assuming that that's working. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't want to get into too much of what we're talking about, but we are we also do a little bit about implementation at the end okay. and getting executive buy-in. And because both of the leaders of those companies, uh, Robert Lowe and Brian Keller, are really involved. You know, they're not, they're not sort of, you know, you know, six degrees of separation. They're, they're in there. They know what's going on. They're involved. They want to be part of the Best Fleets program. They're not leaving it to recruiting to try and cobble together something for the, for the questionnaire. They're actually part of it. They um, are involved. They're excited about it. And they're also excited about the programs that they have. So how to, and it's a little bit related to what you're talking about is how to get executive buy-in. Mm-hmm. So I'm really interested in what the, Fleets have to say about getting executive buy-in because they both do, mm-hmm. and you know how does that work? How does that look? Because they weren't best fleets when they, you know, Prime wasn't a best fleet when they started.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, Keller in wasn't. It took nope. them a couple of years. Yeah, which is not that uncommon. It takes companies a couple of years to kind of figure out their story, mm-hmm. figure out how to tell it. And it may be that they are doing a lot of great things and they're just not really sure how to communicate or haven't figured that part out yet.
1: Or that they have just started and it hasn't caught on yet. You know, that that community hasn't been built yet.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, They're they're just in the stages of getting it done. And I don't know. It's You never know, but you can sort of tell when someone has jumped from... Mm -hmm being part of the program to actually being on the top 20, you can sort of tell when they're moving in that direction and also when they're moving the other way Mm -hmm. where just, just by the the things that they're doing.
0: Yes, absolutely. You can see them running fast and the best fleets, the top 20 are running at a pretty good pace to stay on that list Mm -hmm. and uh, they want to stay there. So, the people that are just below that cutoff point and want to get there have got to run even faster. And you can definitely see them when they're doing that.
1: What I, I, I actually have been wrangling best fleets since we got for the last, I don't know, since before the, the uh, awards at the, where were we were in Vegas, because I had radio shows. The best fleets have been featured on the Road Dog Trucking Show with Mark Willis on Sirius XM. And so we did three shows: one when the uh, when we did the awards, and then two other ones. One with Prime as the overall large winner, and then one with NewsBomb was the overall small winner. And we just finished getting those done. I'm doing this webinar with Prime and NewsBomb. Oh no, sorry, Prime and Keller. So pr- poor Prime, <laughs> like I'm in Jim Guthrie's pocket all the time now. <laughs> like, hey, can you do this? Mm-hmm. By the way, can you do this? So. Um, uh, it's kind of cool. So you get when you when you work with the best fleets and and do these kinds of um, seminars and talks and things like that. You learn a lot about them. You learn even more about them and what they're like to work with. Mm-hmm. And in general, it's been it's been a really pleasant experience. Yeah. Hopefully, they think the same too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you did uh, radio last week with NewsBomb, and how did that
1: mm-hmm. go? Really well. Um, Brent is always uh, he's always very measured and very he has a really good uh, way of of speaking, which is um, he's definitely you can tell he's very much a leader, but he's also very laid back and he's a very approachable guy. So he, that always comes across, and I think he was talking about the basically how he how the company is run. And because it's partially owned by the employees now, there's an ESOP. He was talking about that. And we got a few, uh, got a few callers, which was cool. Um, there was one, there was one caller who didn't think very much of any of these best workplace programs. Mm-hmm. And he just thinks that, you know, well, this is, uh, this, this always kind of bugs me is like this one guy I know who works for one of these companies had a bit of bad experience. So therefore none of them work.
0: Mm hmm. <sighs> yeah. Okay. I see that on the driver boards when I read I try and read the comments about the announcements and see what the drivers are saying and yeah that that sums up one kind of school of thought yeah. and the other one is they don't pay I make more at my company so all of these people yeah. are terrible and when a driver jumps in and says well I work here and I think it's great then you're stupid for liking it I make more yeah. here then it, it just evolves like, oh, into on.
1: You know, know,
0: they can be amazing companies, but it doesn't mean they're amazing for everybody. Yes. You may want something different. Great. Go find it. And if your company is so amazing, nominate them. Then why aren't we hearing from these companies?
1: And it really takes away the overall um, effect, I think, that best workplace programs have. And it is really to up everybody's game. Maybe... There is a fleet who is probably, you know, may not be terribly deserving that manages to get in, but they don't get in over and over and over again. They're not snowing us. And if you can't say the same thing for all best workplace programs, if somebody is working to try and get into a best workplace program, they're trying to make a better workplace.
0: Well, and they all include surveys of the employees. I know. This is what kills me is like other people that come out that say, oh, they can't be. My friend worked there and hated it. Well,
1: did they do a survey? Yeah. Did they say that they hated it?
0: Yeah. Every company has got somebody who didn't like working there. That's not a disqualifier.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm if sure. That
0: was, if there was a disqualifier and the only way you could get on the list is that nobody dislikes you, there'd be nobody on the list, on any list.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or you would have a whole bunch of other things going on where the people who had any negative anything any uh, negative comment to make would be suppressed, or I don't know. But we, but the way that we do it, we're trying really hard to make it as easy as possible for people to say what they want to Mm -hmm. say. Nobody knows, like the the surveys are anonymous. You can can contact us and get a link to a survey for your company. You don't have to wait for your company to do it.
0: And if you don't like it, you can do the survey and say all the things that you don't like. Mm -hmm. And if enough other drivers say that, then the company is not going to do well. Exactly. And there are certainly people that looked like they had some good scores and some good programs and the satisfaction level was really low and it ended up disqualifying them. So yeah. it happens, but every company that's on the top 20 is there because they're doing a lot of interesting things and a healthy percentage of the drivers really like those. You know, they tend to have satisfaction levels well in excess of 85%. Yep. So,
1: and if you're a big company and you can get that and have your turnover you yeah. know, minimized,
0: that's the other side of it is yeah, when we look at safety and turnover and all of those other pieces, yeah, you you have to have all of the pieces together.
1: Yeah, cuz it's not going to you're not going to get into the top 20 otherwise. That's why it's a hard program. Yeah. But I think it's good for people to go into best workplace programs. Just in general, like do it with your state association. There's there's um there's a best workplace uh, award that's yellow and black. I can't remember, but the logo is yellow and black that a lot of different trucking companies have entered and it's specific to the state.
0: I do the one you mean.
1: Yeah, but I think if, if you just Google best workplace, then you see that, you can find that. And just, you know, I know in Canada, there's the top fleets to... Uh, I, can't, I can't remember now.
0: Top fleet employers.
1: That's it. Top fleet employers that will... You know, you can sort of get your ideas together and figure out what is working with your drivers. So it doesn't necessarily have to be our program; it could be any mm-hmm. program.
0: Yeah, they're definitely worth being a part of mm-hmm. for the fleet and for the drivers to get in on the surveys. Absolutely worth it. I don't remember what we were talking about. You were we were talking, talking about, about, about my webinar, s- my webinar ah, but okay. well,
1: it's Thursday, so if you want to come, this will be.
0: I think this will probably be out. Before then, yeah, yeah, probably be out Wednesday morning.
1: Well, we've got we've got quite a number of people already registered, so I'm not sure. Oh, good. What the limit is, but the TCA is going to be putting out some uh, stuff today too.
0: Nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very good. And so, outside of that, for your April agenda, are you getting reacquainted with the the course world? Or Are I you am. still doing other things?
1: I am. No, I am. I'm still working on courses. We have a cargo securement um, additional requirement thing. Um, We're working on paper rolls. And then after that, we'll probably do the rest of them like concrete Mm -hmm. pipe and
0: heavy equipment. Yeah,
1: all of that. Um, So we're working on that. We're working on um, defensive driving overhaul. I know that that's been in the works for a while, but we but getting the animation done properly takes a long time, mm-hmm. and uh, we're getting close to the end of weights and dimensions. Uh, there's also translation of the yin yang that's coming out, so we're gonna have a little bit of you know.
0: We're gonna have a giant dump.
1: Yeah, it. it's gonna be dump it all, and then it's
0: gonna be like summer blockbuster season. All of the big releases. Yeah, coming in May.
1: Yeah. And then once we get defensive driving sort of sorted out for tractor trailer, then we'll be able to work on a little bit more quickly uh, all of the other, uh, what do you call it, offshoots. Mm -hmm. So defensive driving for
0: cars and straight straight
1: trucks trucks and, um, you know, doing that in French and Punjabi. I hopefully have found a good Punjabi solution. I'm going to hear about that today, about whether they're viable or not. Mm-hmm. So that will be cool if I can do that because then we can. Translation is so easy to do because we don't do the work. <laughs> yeah, We just, here we go. I've already done this work. Can you translate it into French? Yeah. And then uh, just finding good translators has been the challenge.
0: Very good. Yeah. Wow. So, you got a lot on the go.
1: I have a lot on the go and I'm very tired. Yeah. I am, uh, you know, let me just whine for a second. Oh.
0: Well, that's good because... Uh, I've got a lot of stuff on the go on the platform side, but it's a lot of stuff that people aren't really going to notice that much. So, uh, a lot of system changes. At the it backend, improves
1: the system, then people the will notice.
0: I think, yeah, the last week's changes, I think, have sorted out a lot of the system issues, but I also have on my list to do some load testing and confirm that. And, um, yeah, we're staffing up, continuing to hire um, new people to fill out different roles. And,
1: oh, I think Nick ne- is next this weekend Easter?
0: No sadly no you gotta wait another two weeks for oh, okay
1: I have break. a new I have a new person starting after Easter as well so that will
0: even more crank out. Oh yeah yeah, yeah. Right.
1: I may put her on all the translations so she can get all that stuff out
0: So that's good um yeah we're very busy yes, which we have probably mentioned once or a hundred times I know
1: because we're whining about because
0: it <laughs> because we're so busy we're diluted. And uh, delirious and can't really yeah. see what's going on. But And yes, then, and then we stop
1: working and then all our personal stuff is like showing up. It's like, no, weren't yeah. we allowed to sleep for a weekend? Yeah. No.
0: See, this is the one downside about Matt's is that you basically lose a weekend. Yeah. You, we arrived home on Sunday night. And, and like one early had a staff call and had to get rolling again. So. Yeah, so we're looking forward to Easter when we'll actually get a real break. Yeah. But in the meantime, we've got a bunch of things uh, on yeah. the go and a lot of new stuff coming. And I think that kind of wraps us up.
1: Do you have yes. anything else? Um, if you're looking for something to binge watch, Travelers <laughs> is good. On Netflix. Yeah.
0: Yes, and uh, thanks to Charlie Charlambus at ISB.
1: For telling um, us about that, yeah,
0: which we kind of is that of what seen? we
1: were? Oh, he's the one who recommended it.
0: He he had mentioned it. Well, we had sort of looked at it and thought, oh, I wonder. And um, then he recommended it, and so we oh, thought we'd try good. it, out, and it was really good. Three seasons, so it's like thirty episodes. It's not yeah. a long uh, commitment, but yes, very. If good.
1: anybody else has any other recommendations for for uh, binge good, watching, yeah, good sci-fi. We show. look, we like good sci-fi. Yes. I'm, I am looking forward to Game of Thrones.
0: All right. Now that's totally going to take us to the end of this thing. Now the work is.
1: Now done. we're. Yeah. Okay. And we
0: can't concentrate on work anymore. So okay. Now we'll wrap it up. All right. All right. Have Thanks a good day. Listening. Bye.